This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Devorim, as we get ready for the weekend that will usher in Tishabav on Moitzah Shabbos and Sunday. A warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you so, so much for taking time on what is a very busy Erev Shabbos afternoon to listen, to get inspired, to learn some Torah together. And let's, as we always do, begin with something relevant. You know, the one of the main things we learn from great Torah leaders is what is leadership and, and how, how is it sort of manifest? So we're going to talk today about Rav Shmuel Salant, who was the Av Bezdin of uh, Yerushalayim, for over uh, uh, for, uh, over seventy seventy years until his uh, passing in the year nineteen o nine, and he was known among many other things as this tremendous. He was, he was a very clever, very very insightful man, and he was very very accepted by all the different movements in 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 the city of of Yushlaim. As a as a result. Of that, whatever he said when he paskined something, whatever came out of his mouth, basically everyone accepted it without qualm, without without question. One time, some of the leading Jews in in Yerushalayim came in to Rav Shmuel and and they said to him, "says Rabbeinu, they said lately, I don't know if the Rav's aware." There's, there's been a, a situation where people are going on hikes on, on, on Tiulim outside the walls of the city of, of, of Yushlaim in, in a place where there's no, no Eruv and they can't carry there. And therefore they're, they're, you know, running afoul of the, of the prohibition of, of carrying on, on Shabbos. Would the road be prepared to to Paskin, that it's forbidden to walk on, on Shabbos outside the walls of, 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 uh, of Yushalayim. And of course, if you, if the Rav says it, everyone will listen and, and they'll take, they'll take heed. Heed. Rav Shmuel answered, those who are speaking, says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very worried about the minority who won't listen to what I say. And therefore, I'm not going to come up with a clear. I might make a suggestion. I'm not going to come up with a clear sock with a clear with a clear decision because sometimes it's better that people should do things not knowing they're doing wrong than that they should know it and do it anyway on 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 purpose. So all the people were sort of very very uh, amazed to hear what the Rav had said because everyone knew that he was loved and 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 cherished by all the Jews in, in Yerushalayim. And uh, they said, Adir Rebbe, but everyone knows that once the Rav says something, no one's going to go against what, 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 the Rav, what the Rav says. Right? And you know how, how, how accepted, how popular you are. So Shmuel answered with a, with, a, with a smile. It's true. Thank you. I, I was there with the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that generally my words are are uh, are accepted by all the all the people in in uh, in in Yushlam. Why is that? Because I've I've never ever 
made a decree, I've never ever sort of imposed on any, on the tzibur, unless I was sure that it was something that the tzibur would be able to deal with and would be able to accept with a full, with a full heart. So if they, so they said, if so, all the, all the, the, the people said, so okay, so what the Rebbe is saying is correct. So make a, make a clear decision that you can't go outside the walls on, on, on Shabbos and, and the, and the tzibur will, will listen and, and, and obey your words. So Rav Shmuel shook his head, uh, doubtfully. He says, you know, um, even if I would be listened, there's, there's, there's no really, there's no, Rav, whoever is listened to by everybody. The only person who ever was merited that ever listened to him was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu in Sefer Devarim gives, gives Musa. And it says, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to all of Klaeson, all of them accepted his his word, but then it also says that no one, there's never was another person like Moshe, and therefore I don't think my words will be accepted universally, and therefore I'm not going to say anything, anything further. That is true, true leadership. We'll be back in a moment with lots more on the Pasha and on Tishbab. Please stay tuned. This is one one point nine High FM, and the program is so to so. <laughs> This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio here on Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Devorim as we approach Tisha But let's talk a little bit about the Parsha, Ela Devorim. These are the words, starts the Torah at the beginning of Moshe Rabbeinu's last soliloquy. That Moshe spoke to all of Israel, between Poron, between a place called Poron, and Teufel, and Lavan, and Chatzeros, and Di, and Dizov. So of course, Elad Varim is reference to Moshe Abenu's rebuke of Klal Yisrael for their unfortunate, for their past avarice, for their past uh, insurrections, and his attempt not to embarrass or offend his listener. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't mention the sins that the Jewish had done in detail. Rather, he made kind of veiled references to the sins by using place names which alluded to the sin. Chazal, the Gemara in, in Tamit, teach that one who rebukes his fellow Jew if he does it, Lashem Shemayim, for the sake of heaven, in other words, really just wants to help and guide the person back to a path of, of appropriate behavior, such a person merits to dwell in, in the portion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Moreover, says the, the Bezden Shemayim, the heavenly court, extends over him a kind of a cord of divine grace. Can you imagine? What an incredible reward for someone who fulfills the mitzvah of toichacha, of, of, of giving someone rebuke, l'shem shomayim, just to help the other person. And we wonder, why? Why should it be so? Why should one who performs this mitzvah for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
be any more meritorious than anyone who performs any of the other 612 mitzvahs for the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hashem Shemayim. A mitzvah is a mitzvah. And performing it in accordance with the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it, or based on, on Hashem's directive, is the standard that applies to all mitzvahs. Or is somehow this mitzvah unique in, in, in one sense? Rav Nassim Ordman Zatzal, who was a Shiva of Eitz, of Eitz Chaim in London, explains that a fundamental difference exists between the mitzvah of rebuke and all other mitzvahs with regard to L'Shem Shemaim. How? All other mitzvahs, even if one were not to mention the correct and proper intention, L'Shem Shemayim, so you've at least performed a mitzvah act. You've shaken the lulav. You've uh, recited Kiddush. Even if you do with the wrong intentions, the action is a positive and good action. However, if you rebuke someone for any kind of ulterior motive, anything other then to carry out HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mandate that one is required to rebuke his friend, then not only are you not doing a great mitzvah, you're doing a terrible, serious Avera, a sin. It's precisely the L'Shem Shomayim that transforms ordinary rebuke into a mitzvah. Otherwise, when you have ulterior motives and, and, and that's what motivates you, it may be an act of, actually of sinner, of, of hatred. We lose our sense of objectivity, often convincing ourselves that we're acting out of love and care, when really sometimes we're acting out of self-interest and actually hatred. It's for this reason that concerning other mitzvahs, the rule of performing a mitzvah, even not for the right reasons, and when we're acting not for the sake of the mitzvah, applies. And it's even encouraged. Even if you're not shaking the for the right reason, do it. Do the act of the mitzvah. The more one performs the mitzvah, the greater his connection to the mitzvah will be. And with time, Hashem, the mitzvah will refine him to the point that he will do it now, the same Shemayim. Tachacha, giving rebuke to another person, however, is, is, is a sin, which can only get a, a noble, uh, 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 you know, sort of backing, if it's done with a heavenly connection. And Avera does not become a mitzvah, by doing it again and again and again. One has to go into the mitzvah of rebuke, understand it, learn it, be aware of its significance, and understand how it needs to and must promote love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and love of another human being. So if one implements the mitzvah properly, then he's allowed entrance into the special area 
of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Another area in which the Shem Shamayim determines the, the, the spiritual kind of respectability almost of, of an action is kanois, is, is zealousness. Unless a zealot acts the Shem Shamayim, he's not a zealot. He's a, he's a rabble rouser. A vengeful person who is guilty of, of character assassination and even sometimes murder. One may not think of himself when he acts zealously. He thinks only of the, of the insult, of the affront that's being perpetuated against Hashem. He's motivated by Hashem's pain, by the disgrace of Hashem's name, by the defamation of his glory. Anything less than that is a sinful act of subjective revenge, reprisal. Moshe Rabbeinu acted the Shem Shemayim. Otherwise, why would he have sort of glossed over almost all the gory details of what, of what the Jews did? Right, he should have spread, he should have sort of, uh, 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 spelled it out, Barocho Bitra Ketana, in the most intricate of, of, of detail. It's only because he cared about Kleiso and wanted to be certain that he didn't overdo it. He had one purpose and one purpose only in his rebuke. To promote the honor of Akadosh Baruch Hu's name. Der Averis had created a, 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 a spiritual, uh, a stain that needed to be, you know, sort of expunged through doing tshuva. In order to repent, one first has to not, uh, acknowledge and, and know that he's done an Avera. That's the purpose of rebuke. Reveal the Avera to the person, and then help to guide the sinner on his trip of of return. One issue remains concerning Moshe's rebuke, which demands a, a kind of clarification. Moshe's rebuke focused on past sins that they had done, sins that have been committed throughout Klaus's 40-year journey. What's to be gained by sort of hashing over their past shortcomings? They sinned, fine. They were punished. Gandic, now what? They certainly aren't going to make the same mistake again. They learned their lesson. Now would be a good time for, for Chizuk, strengthen their resolve, elevating their egos, reminding them who they are and what they were capable of, uh, of, uh, of achieving. The last thing they needed was, was rebuke. So Avorban explains that Moshe's intent was to go very, very deeply and, and, and probe into their, their weaknesses, to show them and, and that the whole nation should be aware that it was not over. It could happen once again. The Yetzara, our evil inclination, is relentless in his mission to create 
all sorts of obstacles and encourage us to sin. He changes his strategy from one person to, to another. And as a result, no one really, regardless of how great they might, all, might be and what, what excellent they're, they're on, no one is safe from the Yetzirah. Moshe admonishes the people concerning their past behaviors because their very demeanor manifests a deficiency that could reappear at any time. History repeats itself. Uh, unless we do something fundamental to ourselves that changes the people we are, we're likely to do the same sin again. And Moshe Rabbeinu preached vigilance and more vigilance because one can never, one can never know. And we're going to discuss this a little bit further in the next in the next segment. But this is 101.9 FM Salt and Salt. We'll be back in a minute with much, much more brilliant Taira. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul, on your radio here, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Devorim, Shabbos Chazoin, as we get ready for Tishabov, which will take place on Maitzah Shabbos. So, of course, on Tishabov, we sit on the floor and we cry and we moan about the fact that we don't have a Besamikdash. And the fact that we don't have a Besamikdash means we are deprived of that tremendous relationship with our Kaddish Baruch Hu, and therefore seemingly the ability to make a difference on in this world, to, to change ourselves, to change the world around us, to change the people and bring the world back to a situation where we'll again be worthy of meriting a closeness to Kaddish Baruch Hu, the presence of, of a, of a Beisamikdash. But, what abilities do we have? What possibilities do we have, even in the world we live in, of doing something, of changing ourselves, of changing the world, of raising the entire level, both physically and spiritually, of everyone, everyone around us. So listen to these, to these words. Rav Aaron Bakhsht, who was one of the Talmidim, of Yerucham Levavitz, the Mashkiach of Mir. One time he met one of the great, great Hasidic, Hasidic, Hasidic Rebbes. And between the two of them, they, they began a very interesting discussion, which then is a very, very powerful message in terms of the way we even in whatever situation we find ourselves, have to be serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This, this Rebbe, who knew that Rav Aaron was one of the Talmidim, and the students of Rav Yeruchim, asked Rav Aaron to say over in front of him a Chiddush, a Torah idea that he had heard lately from, from the Mashkiach. And Avaron Bakhsht went over and repeated in front of this, this Admor, this Rebbe, on a particular shear that the Mashkiach 
had said in, in, in Yeshiva Smir regarding a Mishnah in Pirkeyavis, a very famous Mishnah, where the Mishnah says, Hakina, jealousy, Vataiva, and, and desire, Vakovad, and honor, Cause a person to lose his right to be in this, in this world. And, Ruchim was talking about what are the different ways and avenues we can escape from these three terrible, terrible midas that, that really, uh, uh, cause us to be in a situation where we don't have a right to exist anymore. So after Aaron finished saying over the, the shear, so the, the, the Rebbe turned to Rav Aaron and he said to him, says, I don't understand. Why, why does, why do you get involved all the time in, in, in the dirt of these, these disgusting and terrible type of character traits of the, of these Midas? When I speak, in front of my Hasidim, I try to arouse them about things that are, that are really, really essential in the world. And I start talking to them about how a, a Jew is able to reach the highest, highest levels. And when they know what they're capable of, of, of attaining, and, and those words get somehow, somehow downloaded and entrenched inside them. So as a matter of course, all these terrible, lowly type of midas, like jealousy and, and just base desire and running after honor, they don't have anything to do with them. They're, they're, they're already working on a much higher plane. Why do you even bother yourselves? We're talking about uprooting this bad midas. On the contrary, just work at, work at, uh, on raising yourself and mainly you'll leave all that, all that dirty stuff behind. You know, it's rather than arousing and talking to the, the students in the yeshiva to, to work on their, on their, on their, on their bad midas and, and try to eradicate all this terrible stuff, stuff from it. And in, in the meantime, by talking about it all the time, by involving yourself in, in it, you infect yourself, you, you dirty yourself by even talking about, about these, uh, these, these things. You know, when you play in the mud, you're gonna be, you're gonna come out dirty. Wouldn't it be much, much better to, to put into the minds of the students the great, great level of, of where a person can get to in his service of Hashem and to prove to ourselves how exalted a Jew, a Jew is. We are, we are the sons of HaKadosh Baruch, we're the sons of the Melech, Malche, HaAmlochim, right? And, and in such a way, we'll, we'll sort of, we'll, we'll raise them to such a level where they, they wouldn't be able to think of involving themselves in these disgusting type of, of meters. A, a, a prince doesn't go playing in the sandbox, doesn't go well, wallowing in, 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 in the mud. That's what the Rebbe asked of Aaron Bakht. And 
Ravaron didn't answer right away, but he went. He says, let me go speak to. And he went to the current mashkiach of, uh, of, of Yeshiva Smir in, in, in Shanghai, which was, of course, Rav Cheska Levenstein. And he asked him about that. And he, and he told him that this Admar said that what he said seems to, seems to make sense. And how should I answer such a, such a, such a, a, a claim? So when the Mashkiach heard this question, he said to Ravaran, so why didn't you tell him about the house of Sasson? Now, the how the, the the story about that house. So that story took place at the end of the Second World War. There was a tremendous businessman, a very very wealthy person, whose name was Rav Sasson, and he invested huge amounts of money in buying up property, very cheap in the city of, of Calcutta, in India. And afterwards, he sold them at huge, huge profits and, and became very, very wealthy because of it. Now, one time the, the uh, uh, Indian government announced that they were selling a, a huge landfill, a, a huge, huge place just full of, 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 uh, of rubbish. And this was, you know, this was, uh, 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 and, and it was huge, it was full, 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 piled high, full of, of rubbish and, and, and rubble and all types of, 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 of things. And because, you know, there was a huge development of cities around that area, so the, the government didn't want this it, it was an eyesore in an area that was beginning to be developed. So the government decides, decided to uh, uh, move the rubbish somewhere else and to sell the the actual land. So um, after the the all the all all, all the rubbish um, was removed, so all that was left was. Thick, thick layer of of uh, of sand, and then they put it up for sale. So it's obviously doesn't even need to be said that there weren't too many people that were jumping to buy this this piece of land. But this Yiddish businessman, Rav Sasson, which he was uh, very, very, very experienced at the at this. And he smelt here a, a, a possibility of what he could do and, and the potential of what he could make out of this place. He bought it from the government at a very, very reasonable price. And once he had cleaned away all the rubbish, he began to uh, uh, build there blocks of, of flats for building. And, oi, what did he find? As soon as they started building the first building, 
and the the engineers were 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 amazed to see that every foundation that they built was sort of just sinking into into the ground. Now, anyone who's ever learnt uh Bababasa in the Gemara knows what the reason for that is. The Gemara in fact speaks about this that it's and one's not allowed to build next to a rubber sheep because the ground in that in the area of, of a rubber sheep is is uh, absorbs all types of uh, 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 stuff and and uh, and, uh, and and becomes like a like a like a like a sponge and that's why the all the foundations whatever they try to put in whatever Rav Sasson invested in this ground they, they it didn't stand they started collapsing because for the many many years that this place was a rubbish a rubbish heap so that left an impression an indelible impression on that ground. And even after they moved away all the rubbish, the, the, the ground remained like a sponge, totally absorbent. And it, it wouldn't hold up the foundations. So the, 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 the engineers couldn't understand. They, they didn't, they didn't know this. And they, they, they were, they were overwhelmed by this phenomenon. And, they didn't want to tell Rav Sasson that he couldn't, that he couldn't build there. And Rav Sasson thought he was going to make there a, a big, a big, uh, sort of killing there. He was going to be able to sell flats and make a huge profit. Uh, he understood that, uh, he wasn't going to make any, any Parnassa out of, out of this. Says, so says, that's what Rabbi Cheska was trying to to tell him when he said to Rav Aaron Bakht, "Go tell this Rebbe who said to you that he'd rather speak about all kinds of amazing things and not get dirty in 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 talking about working on and 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 cleansing yourself and purging yourself from these really disgusting negative character traits, because where there's rubbish." Where there's dirt, you cannot build build big, uh, big buildings because the building is not going to be able to survive and it's just going to sink into the into the ground. When a person has inferior type of of midas, he cannot build big buildings and strong buildings and 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 grow to great heights. And whatever the rebbe talks about on how great Yidin are, it's not gonna it's not gonna be sustainable until you get rid of, until you do something very, very fundamental, very basic to strengthen the ground on which you're gonna build that building. Rav Arnbachst added and he said, based on on what Rav uh Levinstein had said, he understood why is it that on Shabbos HaGadol, we read this amazing, amazing Haftorah, the last chapter of the book of Malachi. 
And it ends with the I'm going to send you Elio and Mashiach. But before that it says, I'm going to bring it to judge. I'm going to be a witness against the witches and against all those who are, pro, who, 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 are, who are promiscuous, all those that false, that swear falsely, those who withhold the wages of their, of their workers and, 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 and mistreat widows and, uh, and, uh, orphans and, uh, and the converts. And he said, I always wondered, what's the connection between this great Shabbos, Hagodl, and Pesach that's coming off it to these dirty people that are acting really in ways that are so contrary to, to Torah? Someone is so busy with all these, all these, uh, very, very serious, uh, Averis. Well, but we're, we're dealing with, this is not Shabbos Shuva. Now we're dealing with, we're talking about Shabbos Hagodl. And the answer is, in order to reach to the height of Pesach, we first have to purify ourselves before this from all the disgusting things. Because if not that, we're never going to get to high levels. We're going to just sink more and more into the, into the, into the mud. Tishabov is the day where we sit on the floor and we realize Whoa, just how low we have sunk. What are we doing? What are we doing with our lives? How are we treating people? How are we acting to the world, to the world around us? There's no way we're going to be able to think about big but but a mikdash and, and coming close to our now. That's not going to be sustainable until we do something very, very basic and very fundamental about changing the kind of people we are and purging ourselves of, of, of the grub and, and disgusting way that we sometimes deal with, with situations and with, and with people. You know, we had in, in last week's Pasha about the, the person who killed someone by mistake. So he has to run to the to the cities of refuge, and he has to stay there until the coin guttle dies, and then he can go home. And the Gemara says in the Seches Makas, he never, under no circumstances, can that person leave the Yermiklat. Not if he has to testify in some very important matter, whether it be a, a, a mitzvah matter or a financial matter, not even for for a testimony in a capital crime. Even if all of the Jewish nation needs this person, even if he's the, the main general of the Jewish army, like Yaya ben Surya was for David, he's never allowed to leave there. And the Rambam brings that also. That even if all of Israel needs this person to, to save them, he cannot leave there. Even to, to save someone with his testimony. Right? None of those things. He cannot leave that city under any circumstances. And it, it seems very, very difficult. Right? Uh, 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 the Mephoshim, the uh, ask. This is Pikuach Nefesh. 
Saving Kaisel is, is literally, lives are in danger. And that we know pushes aside the whole Torah. Why is this person uh, 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 not allowed to leave Gullus in order to save that person with his testimony or save all of Kaisel by leading them into, into, into war? Surely he should be able to go. Why doesn't the Torah uh, uh, allow him to leave Gullus in order to save all of Kaisel? So the the Amir Simcha, the Osamech, writes to prove from here that a person is not allowed to put himself into a situation where he is even possibly might be in danger in order to save your friend, even if that other person is in a certain danger. And therefore, since we know that the blood relative of the person he killed would have the right to kill him as soon as he goes out of the, of the Irmiklot. So therefore, he's placing his life in danger and you are not required to put your life in danger even to save other, other, uh, other people. You're not allowed to. And therefore, we have to say that this is this is what the Torah wants in this in this mitzvah. That this is a, a perhaps one of the only mitzvahs besides maybe the three cardinal sins, where a person, uh, uh, even where your life is in danger or someone's life is in danger, you stay. And therefore, we have to understand that why was the Torah so careful about that? That the person mustn't leave the the imiklat even for 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 a uh, uh, danger life. In order to understand that, we have to understand that when we talk about the concept of going to Golis in, in the Irmiklat, it's not a punishment. It's an atonement. In other words, the main purpose of going into an Irmiklat is that the murderer should make a fundamental change to his own life in order to atone for the sin that I did. He killed someone. For, and therefore he must go to a place populated by the Levium. The Levium are the elite of Jewish society. People who spend their whole lives involved in self-perfection, in learning Torah, in teaching Torah. And therefore their whole atmosphere, the cities they live in, are rarefied, are purified, are exalted by their purity. And by the murderer, inadvertent murderer, being there, there's the hope that he'll be able to change. He'll be able to uproot the negativity that caused him to cause someone else's death and change him to be a better, more productive member of society. That is our job on Yom Kippur. Uproot the evil in ourselves. Work on ourselves. Change ourselves. And then we can change the world. 11.9 Chai FM, Soul to this is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio here in Johannesburg. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Devarim, as we get ready for Shabbos, Chazoin, and Tishbov, which is going to come right afterwards. So let's begin, as we always do at this time, just giving you the important times for this coming uh, uh, Shabbos and the subsequent Tishbav to come afterwards. The earliest time for lighting Shabbos Licht this afternoon is at 4.27, 27 minutes past 4. 
as I will say, get ready, get early, and, and get your Shabbos going, especially if you're dominating at home. No reason to, to tally. Get it, get it, uh, get it going, and you can daven myrav and, and sit down and have, and have a suda. The latest time for benching Shabbos, Shabbos this week is 16 minutes past five. 516 is the latest. Make sure that you're ready and up and going before that, before that time. Uh, that means that Shkia is at 534. So you certainly need to make sure that everything is organized well, well before, before that. If you want to daven Mayrev and not have to repeat Krishma again, so you have to wait till 552. That would be night, going to most, and, and therefore you can down Marv then and not have to, not have to repeat the, uh, the Shema at, uh, at, at all. Uh, tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Chazoin, Relain Pashas Devorim, and as, as we know, the Shabbos gets its name because the Haftarah, which is the first chapter of, of Yeshaya, and uh, with its dire warnings and the complaints of the Novi against the conduct of Klaisol, it's read, as we know, in the tune of, in the tune of, uh, of Echa. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, we say, we say Avrachimim, even though it's, it's Erev, Erev Tishvav. Um, many shuls will, of course, tomorrow, Davin Meirev earlier, leaving time for to come home afterwards and have the Yoshal Shudas, your last meal before the fast. We'll talk in a minute about how, how that all, how that all happens. Uh, the fast begins tomorrow evening at 5.31, means you have to, we'll, we'll, you have to be finished eating before, before that time. Uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at eight minutes past six. 6.08 is the end of End of uh, Shabbos, and that's when uh, the rest of the of the of the issues of of, of Tishvav begin. And the fast, of course, Tishvav is a full twenty four, well, uh, 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 twenty four and a half, basically hour hour fast. The fast is going to end on Sunday night at six. Uh, sorry, five. I want to make it longer than it needs to be. Five fifty nine. The fast ends on on Sunday nights. So let's just talk about the way the way it uh, it works, especially with sometimes with uh, Tishbov being after Shabbos, it gets a little bit complicated. Just to go over some of the of the halakha. So just in terms of today. So the general practice is that on erev Shabbos, even during the nine days. One is allowed to take a hot bath, uh, which we haven't been doing the whole week, but again, do it as quickly as possible. Not a time to sit and luxuriate. There's no time anyway, uh, to sit and luxuriate in, in soap suds. Have a hot bath, do your hair, wash your hair, and get done as, as, uh, as, as normal. Uh, for men, if, uh, men have the minute to go to the mikvah every Friday, they can do so, uh, today. Uh, also, but if it's not a regular thing you do, then you may not, you may not go. Cutting nails today is permitted, as it was the entire week. Cutting nails actually is only forbidden during what's called the week of Tishbav, and since Tishbav is on Sunday, there was no week 
of Tishbab, and therefore it can be done even, even, uh, even today. If you need to taste the food, you want to make sure that uh, the, the the chicken soup has enough salt. You can put it in your mouth, you know, swirl around, get the taste, and then and then spit it out. By the way, uh, just tasting food, if you don't swallow it, does not make you uh, a fleshing, so you can still have a piece of of uh, milk chocolate uh, after afterwards. Right. As far as Shabbos is concerned, so all the Shabbos meals are eaten normally as you would any other meal. You can have meat, you can have wine, we sing Zemiris. It's, again, it's a little bit more somber than usual. Uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't certainly, or anyway, we're not really having guests at this time, but uh, it's a little bit more, 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 more sort of toned down. But in terms of the food, the menu can be as exuberant as it would be uh, a normal, normal, uh, a, a normal, normal Shabbos. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the benching though, of course, uh, certainly when we get to the third bracha and we talk about Yerushalayim and Hashem should have Rachim Hashem Lakin, Hashem should have mercy on Yerushalayim, your city. And when we say Ritzay, and we say, Hashem, show us the comfort of Jerusalem. Certainly worthwhile to stop for a second and, and, and think what you're saying. Say with a little bit of Kavana as we're going into, as we're going into, uh, 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 It's worthwhile to introspect about that a little bit. Um, it's not Tishbav, it's uh, Shabbos is the eighth of Av and therefore, even even marital relations are permitted on on uh, on Shabbos. Um, generally, we'll try to daven mincha after after mincha ketana, which would be three nineteen, uh, but not later than four twenty five. But the truth is, the earliest time for daven mincha is about a quarter to one, and you could daven. You can have mincha and go have your shlof then and, and just get up for, for, for shalashudas, uh, afterwards. Um, but although normally, even those who have the custom to say, uh, pirkei avot during mincha on Erev Shabbos, we will not say it. We will not say it this week, but one can learn Torah. Normally you haven't finished your, the parsha yet. Uh, you can do normal learning until until Shkia, until until five thirty one, uh, 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 one can learn Torah uh, uh, normally. Um, even if you have the custom to go for a nice little Shabbos stroll after the meal, in Halach it says specifically that on erev Tishbav we don't do uh, walks for pleasure, and therefore one should perhaps uh, skip. The walk for this, for this, uh, for this week. Um, obviously we are eating, you know, maybe perhaps bigger meals on, on Shabbos in preparation for the fast, but one shouldn't actually say, I'm going to eat a lot on Shabbos in order to be ready for the, the fast, because that would be then preparing on Shabbos for the weekday. You can think it, but just don't, but just don't, uh, don't say it. Right, you must finish eating your shalshudas by five thirty-one. It means you can still sit at the table, you can still 
bench or say divitara after that, but you have to be finished eating and drinking by 5.31. That is actually when the, when the fast uh, uh, begins and one shouldn't wash after that time, really, uh, because those restrictions actually uh, 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 apply. Uh, we don't, because it's Shabbos, we don't eat the you know the bagel and the and the uh, and the hard boiled egg as we would on a when when Tishbab is on a on a weekday. We don't sit low. There's no ashes. You can have as many cooked foods. You can have meat. Even if you never have meat for Shalashudas, you want to have meat, you can have uh, 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 whatever you want for 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 Shalashudas. Uh, if you have three males in the house, you can bench with a a, uh, a a Zimun. If you, for whatever reason, have your Shalashudas early, your last meal, and it's still before 5.31, you could eat. You can eat until 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 five five thirty five thirty one, um. But from then on, you don't eat anything. You can still say say in uh, in 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 benching, but uh, we don't sit low or remove our shoes until Shabbos is over, because that's a a visible sign of mourning. We don't do visible signs of mourning. On Shabbos, you can't prepare anything uh, on Shabbos. You know, get your shoes out or get your Kinnis book out on Shabbos. That will be preparing for Tishba. We'll come back with a few last-minute comments after the break. This is one one point nine High FM, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. Chai FM, back on your radio, talking about the laws of of Tishbav. So we're up to once Shabbos is over at 6.08 p.m. So you have to say, Baruch HaMavyel Ben Kodesh L'choyel. And then straight away, remove your leather shoes. You can manage to do without without touching them. That would be great because then you won't have to wash your hands. Uh, then you only can sit low on a chair that's less than 30 centimeters high. Uh, uh, immediately after Shabbos, we change out of our Shabbos clothes, obviously into non-fresh, uh, uh, weekday, weekday, uh, uh, clothes. Right? Um, the only part of Havdalah that is set on, on tomorrow night, Master Shabbos, is the bracha of Boyerim Yoreesh over the, over fire. We light a flame, you know, a double flame, and, uh, and, uh, and, we make the bracha, and we could do that as soon as, as soon as we basically have, as soon as we've changed out of our, out of our shoes, we can do it, we can do so. We don't use, uh, the summum at all. We don't greet each other, we don't say Shavuot Tov or Gudvach, we don't greet at all on, on, uh, on Yom Kippur. You can fold up your talis on, uh, on Matzai, Matzai Shabbos. We daven Myra, we say Atochin Antonu, uh, then, uh, if you're part of it, then normally you would say Echa and Kinot. If your shul is having a, a Zoom link, you can tune into, into that. Uh, we then end my, if we don't say Vihinoyam, we just say Ata Kadesh and, uh, and, and, uh, Oleinu. Um, many have the custom to 
sleep with their tzitzit on was set. We shouldn't have a problem of whether or not to make a a uh, a, a bracha. Um, one doesn't have to sleep with rocks under one pillow, or, or you know, sleep. Oh, I'm not going to use any pillows. And then you chich your neck and your back is sore. Uh, uh, you know, they're nice things to do, but it's certainly not not uh, not obliga- obligatory. Now, very important. If if someone is going to eat, someone has to eat on 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 Tishbev, So then, while you're allowed to drink water. Without making havdalah, if you're going to drink anything else or eat, one well, obviously it's uh, a one one needs to make havdalah uh, uh, first. Right? If children, children who are going to eat do not need to make havdalah, but adults uh, have to make havdalah, which is just boder priagofen and the bracha of hamavdil, and they can make it over grape juice, right? And the, the the grape juice could be given to a child, preferably a child uh, uh, over five years old, but as young as as possible. If there's no child, then don't use grape juice. Rather use coffee or tea, and then the person making half dollar, man or woman, can can uh, can drink the 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 grape juice. A man can say havdalah. Let's say if a woman eats the, a man can say havdalah for the woman, but the the person who's not fasting, they should drink the 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 beverage. Obviously, if a man made havdalah for his wife on Amatz Shabbos, he wouldn't have to make it again on on Sunday on Sunday night. Uh, all the restrictions of Tishbav, not eating, not drinking, not washing, not uh, anointing. Uh, uh, not wearing leather shoes apply all the 24 hours. The only thing that changes during the day is that sitting low ends at at uh, midday, which is 12:14. Then you can sit on a normal on a normal uh, 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 chair. We don't we don't learn Torah, and uh, uh, mincha is said, of course, with talis and and tefillin, um, and uh, special edition of. Nachem and uh, and uh, and uh, Anenu are both are both uh, said no tachanun et etc. Et um, on Sunday night, one must make havdalah before you before you eat. Again, only hagafen and and uh, the bracha uh, because Tishbav is actually the ninth above All the restrictions of the nine days carry on until midday. On Monday, you can't wash, have a proper bath, you can't do any laundry, all that stuff carries on until then. Please God, this should be an extraneous. Mashiach can still come in the next couple of hours, but in the meantime, I'm going to take the privilege of wishing you all a beautiful Shabbos, somber Shabbos, but still a beautiful, warm, unified Shabbos, and then an easy fast, a meaningful fast. Get inspired. There's so much going on on Tishbab. Get yourself inspired and pumping and, and let's make this a truly memorial day that's going to launch us on the recovery pad as we get ready for Yom Naroim, which is only seven weeks away. This is Rabbi Moshe Schneur, wishing you all a good Shabbos and to each and every one of our special radio family a very warm Shabbat Shalom.